Hey, everybody, welcome back for the second part of the criminal motives behind the crime scene tape podcast on uh, this case from uh, from the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to hear the conclusion. The first part, if you missed it, go back and catch up with us and um, get all riled up like we were <laughs> last week. And uh, when we jump right in. Yeah. So, yep. The, we're going to be talking about, you know, just a, a slight recap. It was a case that I worked where there was a minor involved, five-year-old minor who she was instructed to perform a uh, sexual action on uh, an adult male by the adult male. And, uh, and then we talked about how I got the confession and how I had to dig, I had to dig pretty deep, peel back the layers, finally get the truth, a version of the truth out. And that is, that is where we left off. So stay tuned. We're about to kick it into the second part where we talk about what happened after the interview. We're going to peel some more layers. <laughs> I guess that's why I don't do what I do. So we finished the interview. We got a version of the truth. And so when that was done, we decided to go ahead and ask for consent to search. Uh, We started with his room. We knew that his car was not working, so he probably didn't have much to worry about in his car. We didn't bother with it. We went uh, with the room instead. So I go in, I talked to him. I was like, hey, man, you know, I just wanted to wanted to try and maybe make some of this stuff right. See what we can do to try and figure out what's what else is going on. Just so we have a better picture of what's going on. Uh, we would want to go and search your room and you can be with us. You can, you know, watch us as we as we go in and uh during the interview i had talked to him about just uh regular pornography i had asked him you know if he was a regular viewer of it if that was something that he did on a regular basis and he said yes and so then i also asked him if he would ever view pornography at his parents house and he said yes and so i said do you think there may be a chance that maybe the victim happened to see uh, some of that pornography? And he said, no, there's no way that she could have saw it. I have a, I'm really quick with minimizing it. I'm really uh, quick to uh, hide things. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. Just elaborate on that. I, I don't understand. And so he said, like, oh, I have like this discrete filing system. I have this way of making sure that nobody sees what I'm looking at. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK. Um, I mean, I, I kind of understand, but I don't really fully understand. Is there a way that we can we can see that? And so he said, yeah, 
And so when I was asking for consent to go look at the room, I said, yeah, you know, we would love to just, you know, just check out your room, make sure there's not like, you know, a giant stash of drugs or something crazy like that. Something that I know you wouldn't have. And so he was just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. And I said, oh, and uh, you know, I know you mentioned earlier that filing system, I'd love to like have a better understanding of that. And so he agreed and he gave us consent to go to his room. So after we signed the consent paper, he signed it, we signed it, we, we were off. So we went to his room and we started looking around and the, the whole like, you know, we're looking for like other things that we know you don't have. You know, it was, it was kind of a ruse, but not really. I mean, we're there to find whatever's there. You know, if, if there happens to be something else there that's illegal, then so be it. But um, he was confident that he didn't have anything illegal in his room. So we got consent to go there. So when we were in there, we were just kind of looking around. And then I said, oh, hey, you know, I know you, we talked about that filing system. Can you show me? And he was just like, yeah, sure. I can hook my, you know, my computer's already hooked up for my TV. I can just, just boot it over there and I'll show you. So he pulls up his, his computer on his television screen. And so uh, we, we watch him as he's like going through his files and stuff. And he's like, see, look, this is, this is like my files. It's named this, but it's not really that. This is kind of where I keep all my porn. And so he starts pulling it up and then he starts showing us some thumbnails of videos. And so we're like, oh yeah, that is pretty discreet. Oh yeah. Okay. I can, I can understand what you mean now. And so then we're like, Hey, some of these videos look a little interesting. Um, you know, are, are some, are, are these videos okay? Where did you get them from? And he's like, oh, I get them from this website. And so he goes to the website and it's a website that has um, cartoon pornography and uh, anime por pornography. And uh, as we're watching him scroll through, we start noticing that there's cartoon pornography involving children and so then we said oh uh some of these uh look like there might be children in them or, like what what all are you looking at and so he starts he goes back to his file system starts showing us some of these videos well he shows us these videos that were you know, it was a couple like cartoon ones. We're just like, hey, just just pull it up real quick, show us, and then like close it. Like we don't have to watch the whole thing. I just want to see like what's going on here. And so he pulls it up. He shows us. So it would get worse from it started with like this really weird like animal crap. And um, I'll say this: like I don't. I'm sure a lot of law enforcement and a lot of like first responders can relate to this because when you see something that's kind of corrupted it doesn't sit well with you anymore in life um so for me uh my little pony i'll never look at that the same way and uh it haunts me so uh anyway so it started with that kind of stuff and went to um it started getting worse. It started going to like, like cartoons of children and then 
it started going to CGI, which is computer graphic, computer graphic imagery, I think. CGI is like when you watch Marvel and you see how like somebody transforms into something like like Bruce Banner turns into Hulk, they use CGI to make that happen. It's all just computer graphics. So then we started finding computer graphic or CGI uh, porn involving children. And so then we started seeing videos of just child pornography. And it's just like, all right, so we have gone down a, a rabbit hole that has turned into a snake pit. So let's, so my partner starts keeping him, started keeping him distracted. So I take a few steps out of the room just to where I'm in the doorway and I can still see into the room. That way my partner's not in there alone and there's not any kind of like, you know, oh, he coerced me in the room when his partner left or whatever. So none of that could happen. I could still see what was going on in the room, but they couldn't really hear me because I was far enough away. And so at that point, I called our base JAG office and I said, hey, I'm in a room right now with a subject. He just showed me that he has child pornography on his computer. I need a verbal authorization to take this stuff right now. And so she was like, all right, I don't know how that happened. I guess I'll find out later, but yeah, go for it. And so we're like, sweet, we're, let's do it. So we, we bring him back to the office. We tell him, hey, uh, based on the things that we know from the interview and on, uh, based on the things that we saw in your room, we are going to take possession of your electronic devices. And so you're going to hang out here, and we're going to go do that. And so we went to his room. Uh, we started collecting his electronic devices and anything that had the capability of storing any kind of media. So it could have been anything from like a CD to a computer to a micro SD card, could have been anything. So because we're looking for something that could be this small, we had to look everywhere. So I know, I know on one of the other episodes we talked about consent and seizure and search warrants and things like that. So that's just a quick recap. If, if it's, you know, if we're looking, if we have a search warrant for an elephant, we're obviously not going to be looking in drawers for that. But if we have something for electronic media that could be the size of like a pinky nail, we have the authority to look in any kind of place. Now, is he under arrest? He is in custody at this point. Okay. So he, he has now been told that he cannot leave the room. He's not free to go. Um, so now he's under arrest okay. in the military sense. You know, he's not sitting there in handcuffs or anything like that. He's just, he's being held in his room. His supervisor and his first sergeant know where he's at and why he's there. So we start going through the room um, and we just, we find so many different things. We found plenty of electronic media. We found um, a notebook with drawings in it, and some of the drawings had like uh, Nazi propaganda 
pictures in it and stuff that was drawn in the notebook. Um, we found women's clothing, like we found some wigs and some two-piece bathing suits, and uh, we found um, a, <laughs> a flashlight, which if you don't know what that is, it's just a, 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 a sex toy. I have no other explanation for it. Um, so we're finding all these things and we're taking all this stuff. We found a Mac, like we found one of the very first model of MacBook that was ever made. And it's like, it could store maybe like 20 megabytes or something stupid, but we're like, it's electronic. We have to take it. There's no way we can leave that there just in case. So we took it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely. You're talking about evidence that not only pertains to this case, but could open up cases in the past or something along that line. Yeah. Yep. So we are just scrambling through. We're taking everything. So when we do our search warrants and we're seizing things, there's one person that writes down what we've what we've taken the description and where it was and then like a tag number and then there's somebody that takes pictures of where it was at what it looks like where where or the location of it when and we take it um just to show that we like we didn't like destroy anything like we didn't break drawers open just to get them open or whatever that you know i want to say that policy might be in place maybe due to some people like you who <laughs> get mad and start destroying stuff as he's looking. Yeah, I can't confirm or deny. Places people hide stuff. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I got to open the drawer all the way. Pull it all the way out of the desk. Go through the wall. It'll make it easier. <laughs> I don't need to open the door. Yeah. Yeah, so we have to take pictures to show that we didn't go in there and just destroy his room because like I said, things like that have happened where like a search warrant will happen. The police go in, take whatever they need. Uh, who knows? Maybe the police did do something like that where they destroyed the room. But the thing that has happened before is that police go in, take the stuff, leave. Then the person that owns the stuff or owns the house goes in, wrecks the house and then says, Hey, look what they did to my house. Right. So we do it to cover ourselves. Yeah. And so we, we start collecting stuff. Then we get to one of the desk drawers and uh, we find a pair of children's underwear. And it's, it's a five T which is like five toddler size underwear and it's pink. And so then we had to call legal and tell them like, Hey, we found this. We think this might be a trophy, which is uh, a term for uh, people that like to collect things from their victims to kind of like have it as mementos. And so we, we call them. We're like, Hey, we found this. We, we want to seize it. We want to add it to the search warrant. And so then at this time, the legal team already knew that we found uh, women's clothing. And so we had to provide enough justification to tell them like, hey, this is not part of his women's clothing that he has for whatever reason. This is 
in a drawer separate from all other clothing. It's not his size. And it doesn't look like he's tried to put it on or anything. It just looks right. like a pair of girls' underwear. And so after explaining it and showing justification, that's when we were able to add it to, to the warrant, and then we seized it. Um, we, man, I'll never forget this. This was the worst one for sure. We all together collected 96 pieces of evidence ranging from computers to CDs to thumb drives to gaming consoles to girls' underwear to everything. Just we, we seized 96 items of evidence. And so I'm sure if, any, if there's any law enforcement listening to this right now, I'm sure they're like cringing right now because I can tell you it between like six agents, it took us like four and a half hours to get all that input into the system evidence and then we had to lock it away and it was just it was a nightmare that case held us there until like three in the morning it was so so ridiculous it was crazy so once we found the girls underwear um our team decided that it would be more practical because my my partner and i were like this guy's friend like we were friends with him we talked to him we helped him along with telling us what really happened and all these things. So if there was a good cop, bad cop kind of deal, we were the good cop. And so now we had to go send in some two other agents to be the bad cop and to say like, all right, I'm done playing with you. What are these? And he would hold up the underwear in the, in the interview room. He held up the underwear. And he said, what are these? And he's just like, Oh man, uh, I was, I, I did laundry at the house and I don't know. And I guess I brought him home. He's like, no, you didn't. You stole them. You took them from her. You took it from her laundry. You, you took these. And he just like broke down. He's like, yeah, I stole them. I, I took them out of her laundry basket and I kept them and I had them in my room. Well, at least that's the, probably the best outcome because usually if it's a trophy, it's because somebody's no longer with us. And this is the only thing that they had left. Yeah. I was hoping that wasn't the case. Yep. Yep. So it, it was hers. Um, we ended up sending that off to a lab for analysis. Um, we had part of the search warrant was we collected his DNA. Yeah. And so we took his DNA and we already had the DNA from the um, detectives because they collected DNA when they did hurt uh, the victim's interview. And so we, sent it off to the lab. The lab was like, yes, the, the two samples of DNA match the DNA found on the underwear. And so that's how we knew that it was his, him taking her underwear. Okay. Um, so the, out of all the electronic media, uh, the MacBook did not have anything. Uh, it was just, I think it was just like a project for him or something. Cause he was like, he was into like computers and stuff like that. Like that was his thing. So all in all, we collected all that evidence and we sent it all into the lab. The lab put it all onto a drive for us to um, have, and we would separate for prosecution. So we could be like, Hey, 
All of this stuff is not questionable. You don't have to worry about it. This stuff is questionable. We need it reviewed by an expert. So that way we can say that this is potentially child pornography. And so after we did all that, it totaled out to, to being about 40,000 items of child pornography or like implied <laughs> child pornography. When did he have time to serve the country? I don't know. Really? I don't know. Um, it's just one of those things. He just, if he wasn't playing video games uh, or cross-dressing, because we found out what the women's clothing was for, he cross-dressed and uh, did cosplay, uh, but he would always dress up as, like, the female characters. So, mm. um. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want anybody to think like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm like mad about that or anything. I don't care what people do. I don't care if you dress up like Snow White or whatever you want to do. But the other stuff is where I'm like, that that's not okay. I'm just glad to know that like he he was just he was a crossdresser and he did cosplay instead of like it belonging to other women potentially victims. Like, yeah. I'm glad that wasn't the case. I, I would much rather have the whole gr- cross-dressing thing. Like, yeah. that's fine. Do whatever you want on your off time. That's legal. So we, yeah. So it was a long case. It was a long drawn out case that just felt like it was never going to end. Cause we had, we were the ones when we get that hard drive back with all the stuff on it, it was on us to, like I said, to separate what's questionable, what's not questionable, and then have the legal team uh, decide what they wanted to do on it, gotcha. what, like how they wanted to prosecute it. So, yeah, that was a that was the long list of twisting details that came out of that. Um. It was it was a wild case, man. Now, was any of that evidence ever used for the crim the, uh, the criminal side of it with the law enforcement officers, detectives that came in? Mm, yeah. So, no the the detectives decided to relinquish the case to us um, after after we had told them like, Hey, we talked to him more. We got this. We went to his room. We found this, we got all this stuff. And so then they said, Oh, well, you've did, you've done a lot of work for this. Uh, we will just let you have, you know, we'll relinquish the case to you. We'll relinquish uh, jurisdiction. What's and so, gonna look like for that? uh, so I didn't know exactly what it would look like on the civilian side, just because they didn't even push for it. Um, so a part of us relinquishing cases back and forth and whatever, it's not solely up to the law enforcement agency. It has to go, like, it has to be approved by the prosecution as well. So the, the district attorney for that area was like, yep, you can send it over to the military, let them handle it. Um, and then just support them in whatever they need. So, yeah, we did that. And then. We, when it went to trial, of course, it took forever to go to trial, but when it went to trial, he 
pled guilty on everything. He didn't, he didn't try to fight anything. Um, the victim at that point was, I want to say we, they couldn't even find her anymore. I think her and her dad had left after that incident and they just didn't, they didn't talk to us. They didn't keep contact. I don't know where they went. Um, but in the end, uh, our friend Bob got, he got eight years for all the things that had happened. Yeah. Um, all together because he pled guilty. So he got a reduced sentence to eight years. Um, and I don't think he was eligible for parole or anything like that. So that was it, man. That was that case. Um, he did, he did go to military prison and he should still be there. Yeah, boy, just um, eight years, man, for a lifetime of hurt on a kid. And um, who knows when he gets out. You know? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Strong case, man. Yeah. You guys were able to see it through. I know. It was, it was a lot of work. It took a lot of time. Took a lot of <laughs> took a lot of time away from my family to make sure I got that one done, um, and that's that's what law enforcement goes through. You know, they they take time away from their family, they take time away from their personal lives because they have to they have to do what they got to do to make sure it happens, like it goes through. And I do want to share my 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 honest, true feelings about Bob. Um, so the, the case is over. He's already, he's been convicted. He's been sentenced, everything. My, my honest feelings about Bob is that I feel, I feel sorry for him. And most people would think like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you feel sorry for him? He's like, he, you know, he's scum. That's what a lot of people have told me after I've said this story. I'm like, he's not, he's not scum. He was brought up the wrong way. He was brought up in a broken house with no support, with no, like, no real people that he could look up to. And he had nothing, like, and I'm not saying, like, you have to believe in God, but he didn't have any kind of faith. He didn't have any kind of, like, spiritual balance. He had nothing. He was abused when he was a kid. Like, it was almost like he was just a product of what people did to him. He just reproduced exactly what he knew. And so that is why I feel I feel bad for him because of the way he's brought up. I don't feel bad for what he's done because he has he has ruined a life. Yeah. Um, he has traumatized a child, which I am totally against. Right. But I just hate the fact that he didn't have anybody that could have told him, like, hey man, this this isn't right. This is this isn't okay. You know, it's just, he truly felt like he was, he really was like instructing her on how to do stuff and educating her. And like, it may be a lie. He may be, he may be doing that stuff. But even when we were reviewing the stuff that he had, the stuff that he had showed that like there were, there were videos in there where some of the CGI stuff was literally adults training children to do that to do that exact thing. And so I'm like, man, this guy, 
he had this like sexual desire that he wanted to fulfill and it was awful it's heinous like i'm totally against it man i wish somebody could have been an influence in his life somebody could have positively influenced him and maybe this wouldn't have happened so i'm not bl- like i'm 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 blaming him for his actions absolutely 100% i just wish there was some kind of accountability in his life before all this stuff happened that's all yeah i don't know man i i agree with you in that i hate that the upbringing has something to do with that kind of thing but on the same line i don't know it's hard to it's hard to put that feeling into uh action you know of whatever you want to call it forgiveness or understanding or something i don't know it'd be hard i guess that's why we're human you know yeah yeah oh yeah i mean it's a uh, it's an emotionally packed situation there's so many things to consider and there's so many things to to talk about but yeah it's just it's hard man it's yeah so that was it man that's that's all i got a good case man i hate you know that it it's out there though you know and we and we got to speak to it and um as heinous as it is, it's tough on it's tough on the good people, man. It's tough on law enforcement mm-hmm. as well. You know, not in comparison to the victims at all, but it is tough on law enforcement too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, there was plenty of stuff about that case that that I uh, unfortunately can't couldn't stop thinking about. I couldn't get it out of my mind and. Um, you know, there's a lot of emotion, you know, we, we try as law enforcement to not show our emotion, to not let us show any kind of signs of being weak, but man, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough listening to that, that victim interview. It was tough just hearing about all the things that she was feeling and, and just, mm. I mean, it, it really, if it doesn't bother you, it's like something's wrong with you, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it was rough, but you know, it, I hope that this time that he is, that Bob is away, that he can reflect and understand and understand that he probably will never be forgiven. He, he might not be forgiven. It'll never be forgotten, but maybe he'll turn his life around and do something for something good for society. In my opinion, it would take a miracle because I don't see that. Um, I don't see that happen. It's not often, you know, usually those, the people that commit these crimes end up doing it again and again and again. And that's just uh, statistics. Statistics show that uh, offenders will go back out into the world after their sentence and repeat offense. And it it is what it is. Could get worse. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, but true. Well, shoot, man, that's a, that's a downer type case, but. You know what? It's it's what we live with. We yeah. don't always get to have, you know, good times. And um, like I said before, we really have to respect those detectives and investigators that can take the time and put their feelings aside and investigate these things thoroughly so that the prosecution is successful. Yeah, I mean, we have to we have to run these cases without bias. So, Half, hats off to these guys, man. For sure. All right. Well. 
thank you guys for showing up and and listening to this episode we're really glad to have you here uh hopefully you got to see some insight on some of the bad things that law enforcement has to see and uh, how it affects us and we're not here to bash anybody we're not here to like dog on anybody that may have made a mistake or or anything like that or to make light of somebody's terrible situation we're not doing that we're we're here to provide the insight that we have as law enforcement and to show what we go through and how it affects us good call all right well tune in next week for another case and um leave your comments below or however you do it and uh interested to hear your thoughts on it pick a side if you want to tell me if you're interested in um the intricate details of that kind of thing or would you be like me and just ready to be judge jury and executioner right then so, you know, just give us yeah. your thoughts yeah leave us a comment go, yeah. give us a rating um go to our facebook go to our instagram tell us what your thoughts are we have an email as well it's a uh, contact at criminalmotive.com so let us know what you think and we'll uh, we'll see you next week yep come back again all right take care